want to start out by saying that I originally recorded this in Gothenburg, Sweden. I ended up having a lot of technical difficulties and wasn't able to upload this episode and get it out there. And being on tour, you know, in a different city every single day and having no downtime at all, it was amazing how little downtime I had. But uh, I wasn't able to deal with my technical difficulties until I got home. And then when I got home, I got sick and I finally dealt with it. And it appears to be everything is all right and we can go on like normal. But I wanted to say that right up front so you guys would know why there was a little bit of delay. And when I'm saying I'm in Sweden and you guys will sit back thinking, well, aren't you in Nashville right now? You know, there might be a little bit of confusion over the next episode or two. So I apologize for that. This is a good time to say that I, I have 11 episodes recorded that uh, need to be edited. It takes about 8 or 10 hours a piece to edit them and get them up. But I just wanted to share that with you guys so you know what's coming up. And I look forward to sharing those with you soon. So I had a crazy busy last few days. A lot of traveling and got to see a lot of really cool things. I played a little theater in Hayward, Wisconsin. And I was asked to do this almost a year ago. I got the email and it said Hayward, Wisconsin. I was thinking in my head, what is Hayward, Wisconsin? Why is that sticking in my head? And I remembered there's the world's largest muskie is in Hayward, Wisconsin. It's at the, this fishing hall of fame. And this thing is enormous. I mean, it's huge. And I've wanted to see this thing for 20 years. And it's pretty far up in Wisconsin, so I'd never had an excuse to be there. So before I really knew anything about the gig, I said yes to it just so I could go up and see this, <laughs> see this musky statue. And I have to say that it was amazing. It's about as big as a couple semi-trailers. I mean, it's really huge. And uh, I put pictures of all of this stuff on, on my Facebook page, Otis Gibbs Music. And uh, also at OtisGibbs.com. I'll try to put some pictures up there. And I'll talk more about this Fishing Hall of Fame in a little bit. But just so you know how crazy these days were, I got up at about 4 o'clock in the morning in Nashville, went to the Nashville airport, flew to Minneapolis, rented a car, and then drove a few hours to Hayward, Wisconsin. And it should just be a few-hour drive, but it's me. I stopped off at so many things along the way to see them that it ended up taking you know quite a bit longer than that. But I stopped off. I don't know where I was. It was some kind of a sculpture park in Schaefer, Minnesota. And there was this huge tower. It's a sculpture of boom boxes. Somebody just attached all of these boom boxes together into one big tower. Like a hundred of them or so. It was really cool to see. You guys know how I am. You know that I'll hear about some crazy thing and drive way out of the way just to see it. This is a perfect example. I heard that in Spooner, Wisconsin... On March 18, 1960, John F. Kennedy walked into the Buckhorn Saloon there in Spooner and used a urinal. And they put a little commemorative plaque over the urinal saying that this happened. And I thought, man, I'm going to drive out of the way so I can see it. So I drove an hour and a half out of the way just to see this urinal. And it was a thing of beauty. I used that urinal and I felt kind of presidential. It's the closest I've ever been to feeling presidential. 
Also visited the church. There's a wedding scene in Grumpy Old Men in Chisago, Minnesota. I drove a little out of the way just so I could see that church. And it was a beautiful little town on a lake. And that was well worth seeing. It was a really fun gig. The people there were so nice. They were, you know, they listened to this show. Really good folks. And uh, they were very appreciative. And I enjoyed the gig a lot. It was in a nice little theater. Just a really good time. But the highlight for me was there's an old buddy of mine that I haven't seen in quite a while who showed up. I'm a little ashamed to admit this, but um, I hadn't seen him in 15 years. This is uh, my buddy Chad, who was a friend of mine in Indianapolis. When he was about 17 or 18 years old, I was giving guitar lessons at a local guitar shop, and I gave him lessons and taught him how to play guitar. And then about four or five years later, he just happened to be bartending at my local one of my local bars there in Broad Ripple, my old neighborhood in Indianapolis. And I would go in there every night and we'd sit there and watch baseball games and talk about baseball for hours. You know, he's one of my best friends. We'd go fishing together. He's one of these guys that's just really good at everything. You know, he measures twice, does the right thing. We joke that he's a lot like Hank Hill. And uh, so he became a baseball umpire and was really good at that. You know, he was a really good fisherman, really good carpenter, do a lot of good things well. At one time, he was living in the house next to mine there in Broad Ripple, him and his future wife. And I loved having him next door. Every morning, we'd sit out on the porch and drink coffee. You know, and every night, he'd sit out there and have a beer and we'd talk about life. Just a really great friend. But I remember one day he came over. And he was all flustered, and he says, Otis, there's a bat in the house. I'm like, what? And he's like, no, you don't understand. Tammy gets home from work in 15 minutes. If that bat is still in the house, we'll have to move. And I instantly understood the severity of the situation, and we went over there and opened up every door and window in the house and ran through and chased this bat outside safely, and she never knew about it. And he got to live there another year. So I'm sure a lot of people have friends like that. And um, I have a few people in my life that I feel that close to. But sadly, you know, they're not in my life on a day-to-day basis anymore. Chad moved up to Wisconsin years ago, and I moved to Nashville. And it was a weird thing to realize that one of these people that I feel the closest to in my entire life, I hadn't seen in 15 years. And I don't know how that happened. I had only talked to him once on the telephone for about five minutes. I'm not proud of that, but that's kind of who I am. I'm not the kind of guy that stays in touch with anybody. I put all of that on me. So I guess the point of all of this is maybe I'm going to try to reach out to a couple old friends. that you know, The people who I care about most in the world, most of them don't live in Nashville. They live up in Indiana. I don't get to see them very much, but it doesn't mean I don't care about them. I realize this is going on a little bit long, and uh, it might be a little personal, but I thought I would share that with you guys so you would understand who I am a little bit more. And I have a feeling a few of you might be the same. And if you have a friend who hasn't reached out to you a long time, you might sit back and realize it doesn't mean because they don't love you. It just means that they're probably some kind of weirdo, hobo, loner who has hermit tendencies that they haven't dealt with yet. I ended up driving back to Minneapolis airport 
and flew back down to Nashville. And then the next day, I flew to Gothenburg, Sweden, and just showed up very, very jet lagged. And uh, and then I tried to record this and put all of this together just so I could get on top of, of everything. But one last thing I want to share with you guys is very, very important. So while I was at this fishing hall of fame in Hayward, Wisconsin, you know, this giant muskie, this is a place I've wanted to go all my life. I think it's been 20 years since I knew about the muskie and I wanted to go visit this thing. It's just a really cool working class vacation area, you know, where men and women who like the outdoors go and enjoy the outdoors and the things that surround it. When I walked into this fishing hall of fame in Hayward, Wisconsin, the lady at the counter recognized me. And I thought maybe it was from my music, but it wasn't. She said everyone there at the Hall of Fame had heard the legend of my angling abilities. And she said she, she didn't want to get personal with me, but she asked if it was true that my fishing career was cut short due to a catastrophic jigging injury. I paused for a second and thought about it. And I said, I just try not to talk about that chapter of my life. It's just too painful to relive it. Hi friends, this is Otis Gibbs and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in a hotel room in Gothenburg, Sweden. This is a personal journal. This is a bit of an experiment. I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it. And everything else is an artificial filter. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is Ray Wiley Hubbard. Ray is a singer and a songwriter, and you can find out everything you need to know about Ray at raywiley.com. I've said it before, but I'll stand up tall and shout it from the mountaintops. Ray Wiley Hubbard is an American treasure, and he should be treated as such. Ray was nice enough to invite me into his home in Wimberley, Texas, and I had a little bit left over from the episode that we did earlier. If you haven't heard that, I strongly urge you to listen. That was a really great episode. Ray's one of the best storytellers that we have. He's a great American storyteller, but he told me this story about going to Joe Walsh's wedding, and it's not the longest story in the world, but it's really good, and it didn't fit into the last episode that we did. But I didn't want to just leave this on the floor, so I figured I would throw this up here. And I hope you guys enjoy this. I got a big kick out of it. Here's Ray Wiley Hubbard. Well, it's what happened was is uh, a fellow named Brent Carpenter who does... Uh, I'd met uh, a long time ago, but I didn't didn't remember him. Sorry, Brent. You just have that personality that's pretty forgivable, <laughs> forgettable. But uh, we, uh, Rick, and I played out at uh, uh, McCabe's in Santa Monica, and and um, 
Brent came by that gig and when Snake Farm came out and he does all Ringo's videos, so he burned Ringo a, a CD of it. So anyhow, some of my buddies come out, come up and said, hey, man, Ringo's talking about you on his website. So I go to his website and Ringo says, this is who I've been listening to this month. George Martin sent me a Beatle mono thing. Here's Dylan thing and Ray Wiley Hubbard, this Texas guy, Snake Farm. Ooh, you know, and I went, wow, that's cool. You know, pretty yeah. weird. So, uh, so then the next time we're playing McCabe's, Brent comes up, says, Ringo's playing a Greek theater tomorrow night and wants you, wants you to come by. So I went, wow. So we uh, go there, got parking too, really close. And so we pull up there and meet Brent. So we, Rick and I go back there and meet Ringo and Barbara and all the, I don't know who all was in the, I mean, just a bunch of big stars and everything. So Ringo takes me around and he's, oh, Ray Wallace. I said, well, this is Rick. Richards. Oh, he's a, you know, great drummer. So he takes me around and introduces me. He says, it says, Ray Wally Hubbard is a great songwriter. He travels with a drummer. Doesn't travel with a bass player. Travels with a drummer. That's how brilliant he is. You know, just, <laughs> it was really pretty cool. And so uh, then he says, uh, come out and sing Help for My Friends on the Encore. So I went, oh, I thought he was joking. So anyhow, I'm in, in there with Brent. They're videotaping the thing. So Brent, about that time, said, you need to go. And I said, why? He said, we want to go out there and sing with him. And I went, uh. So I went out there and sang with Ringo at... Uh, wherever it was, you know, at the Greek Theater. Help my friends, which was really cool. So then, this is really weird, so then about six months later, for some reason we were playing McCabe's three times that year because of the record. Maybe later. We're, we play McCabe's. We do our sound check. We're going to eat. I was going to get this phone call. Hey, that's a Joe Walsh. And I go, who? And he goes, Joe Walsh. And I go, uh, and he goes, Joe Walsh. And I go, yeah. And he said, hey, man. He said, Brent Carpenter gave me your phone number. He said, I don't want to bother you, but on the song Snake Farm, I know that's a Gretsch duo jet guitar you're playing. What kind of amp is it? I went, it's a bell and howl. <laughs> and he goes, what? And I said, it's a bell and howl amp. Bell and howl used to do these speakers when they have 16 millimeter films that show at the military and and in high school, they'd set the camera at the back, then they run the speaker up front under the screen, and that's a Bell and Howell speaker with a Stromberg Carlson amp that my friend Tony Noble put in. He goes, oh, what kind of pedals? I said, it's a Alan Durham sex drive. Charlie Sex and Alan Durham made this compression pedal. They call it sex drive. That's the only pedal. He goes, oh, man. He said, well, I love that tone. He said, I knew it was a dual jet. I just couldn't figure out what amp it was. Anyhow, I'm in Boston playing this baseball field with these guys. But uh, thank you. I go, okay. So Rick goes, who is that? And I goes, Joe Walsh. She goes, yeah, right. So anyhow, then about six months later, I get this phone call. I said, Ray, this is Smokey. I'm Joe Walsh's assistant, liaison, whatever. He said, yeah. He said, anyhow, I said, Marjorie Bach. Told me I couldn't come back to California till I got you and Joe together because he plays that Snake Farm record all the time. So the Eagles are playing in Dallas, and we want you to come up. And, you know, Joe wants to have dinner with you. So I drive up there, and I go to said, we got your room at the Four Seasons. So, so I go up there, and I meet Joe, and we're getting ready to go in this restaurant. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up to Joe and says, you can't come in here in a T-shirt. He goes, oh. So he goes in the, the golf shop there and buys a golf shirt takes it off and puts it on and we walk in. <laughs> I mean, <that's, laughs> so we eat at this restaurant. So we talk, we just kind of hit it. All. We talk about guitars and tone and, you know, recovery and all that stuff, you know, which is really good. So the next 
day we uh, get in this SUV and go to the American Airlines thing. And the first time I've ever had policemen on motorcycles in front of the car. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, that was just, well, we just sail right in. So we meet Joe and, and go to the concert. It was really cool because uh, I sat there at the soundboard and was at the sound check. And they all come out and do the sound check. I mean, I'm the only one in there. And they're, you know, it sounds, I mean, they're, wow, it was great. So we um, go to the concert and, and then we leave and head on back. So the next day we're, you know, having breakfast or something. They're getting ready to leave. And I said, well, here, I got something for you. And I said, what's that? And I said, well, here's the bell and howl I used on Snake Farm. I want you to have it. He goes, oh, man, you can't give me that. And I said, well, it, it don't leave. When you plug it in, don't leave it by itself because it's probably going to catch fire <laughs> any minute. It, it kind of, you could smell some wires burning, you know. So I gave it to him and everything. So then I guess it was about, December or something. I'm sitting here right here on the couch and Judy's in there opening the mail. And all of a sudden I hear her go, God damn it. And I, what's the matter? And she goes, I got to lose 15 pounds by February. We've been invited to Joe and Marjorie Box's wedding. And I go, what? So by this time I have Joe's number. So I call him up and I go, Joe, I've got a wedding invitation. He goes, yeah, we thought we'd uh, invite you to the wedding. I said, well, why? You know, and he said, well, he said, I was staying out in Ringo's guest house. And Ringo comes out and he says, hey, man, Brent Carpenter gave me this record of this guy in Texas. I think you'd, you'd like it. So we go in there and Ringo's playing Snake Farm on his CD player. And all of a sudden, Barbara Bach and her sister Marjorie come in. And Marjorie and I, we look at each other and our eyes meet. And she starts dancing to Snake Farm and we fell in love. So we want you to be at the wedding. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, okay. So anyhow, so I got to go out there for this other reason to see my friend Tiller Russell. So uh, I drive out there. So Judy says, get a get a SUV, a real nice SUV, because the, the wedding reception is going to be at the Beverly Hills Hotel, right? So, um, so I go out there. So I get out there, and something's going on. There's like a Final Four basketball or something. There's nothing. So anyhow, I get this minivan. It's the only thing I can find at this, you know, it's just a trailer on a parking lot. <laughs> I said, I find this minivan. So I drive off, you know, and so I'm coming to pick up Judy couple of days later, and all of a sudden I'm driving out, and all of a sudden the bumper, front bumper starts falling down. And so I pull into a Walgreens, and I get some paper towel, and I stuff it up in there to keep the bumper. I wedge it up in there. So I pull up, and Judy goes, what the hell is this? And I go, it's the only thing they had, you know, to rent. So we're going to go to the Beverly Hills Hotel in a minivan? And I go, we got no choice. <laughs> so we show up there at the – we go to the this uh, reception that night. It's really pretty cool, and – Robert Randolph's playing, and so Joe comes up and says, we're going to play Snake Farm a little bit later tonight. I went, wow, cool. So why don't you get up and sing? I'm going to play guitar. And I said, there's a bunch of drummers here, either Ringo or Dave Grohl or somebody play drums or too many damn bass players, but we're going to do it. So anyhow, we go there. So anyhow, a couple of hours later, Joe comes up and says, hey, Ray, so he said, ah, we're not going to do Snake Farm. I don't really like these people. He said, yeah, there's, I just, you know, so we're not going to, you know, do the snake. I apologize. I went, no, that's cool, you know. He said, they're kind of getting 
You know, it just it's, they're not going to listen. You know, it was kind of a party by that time. So I said, that's cool. So anyhow, the next day we pull up to the Beverly Hills Hotel and go into Polo Lounge. And I pull up in this minivan. And I mean, there's Lamborghinis and roses and all this stuff. So they, the valet guy takes it off. So we go in there. I mean, it's really cool, man. I mean, you know, uh, Stephen Stills were there. We meet Barbara, sat with her family. I mean, they were really nice to us, you know. And um, so we're uh, leaving. We're going out there waiting on the valet and like a, you know, a Ferrari pulls up and these people get in, drive off. And Judy says, if that minivan shows up and that bumper's dragging, I'm just going to back up into the room. You get in and go around the deal and I'll meet you. <laughs> <laughs> the deal. And so this minivan comes up and that, I look at paper towel right just barely holding. <laughs> we get in, we drive four blocks and the bumper falls off. <laughs> You know, so we made it, but it was really cool, you know, and he's just, he's been really gracious and, you know, just, you know, could we come play grit and groove and that was really fun. So it was, he's a, he's a good gat. He, his heart's in the right place as far as the music, you know, it really is. Yeah. He, yeah. He's one of the first guys to really start being picky about amps and things like that. Yeah, man. He's just, uh, he, he's, he's a tone, you know, he's a, he's a tone monster. I think I was on Walk Away. I think he was playing a, an old champ back then. In the yeah, he, he was asking about that first James Gang. He was just a, a vibra champ with, a with I think, a telly. No pedals, just plugged into it. You know, I think that's the first James Gang recording. Wow. And he was telling me about that. They just plugged in and went. You know, nobody had money for pedals. Yeah. You know, but yeah, he's a good cat. That's kind of what the book is kind of like. I started, you know, it's almost like... If you read it all, you, you kind of go, Ray Wiley's kind of like this Forrest Gump guy. <laughs> it's, 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 he's just, you know, this, you know, this stuff happens. Yeah. Him, you know. Well, if you keep doing this and yeah. you keep at it, you know, good things happen. You run into to fun situations. One of the hardest things about the book really was uh, uh, the pictures, you know, going through the wreckage of the past. I mean, like, you know, well, you know, which is cool. There's a picture of me and Ringo. There's a picture of me and Jerry Jeff. There's a picture of me and Willie. How cool is that? Oh, wait a minute. We both have mullets. <laughs> I can't put that in there. No, oh, but it's you and Willie. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, the decisions about that was, uh, was hard. <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank Ray for inviting me into his home there in Wimberley, Texas. You can find out everything you need to know about Ray at RayWiley.com. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to OtisGibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt. You can download any record I've ever made. You can buy one of my photographic prints. You can buy one of Amy's records. You can buy one of Amy's children's books. But anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment, subscribe, and you'll get a brand new episode free as soon as it's available. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.